Welcome to Trend Descended. I'm Joe, and I'm the dad. And I'm Raya, and I'm the daughter. And this is Trend Descended, and we are going to be dealing with a difficult issue that uh, we want to really share from the heart with you on this, and it's one that I think we all experience, and that is um, the five stages of grief. And as we go through that, we'll talk about mine first and the experiences that I've had, and it's a two-parter. This is the first of two parts, so today we'll be talking about the experience of grief from the perspective of a family member who has experienced it for the loss of a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister or a sibling or a parent or someone that's close to them where they their family member has come out and they've realized this is not as easy for me as I thought it was going to be and I'm experiencing some emotions. And uh, that might sound like it's going to be a serious subject and yes, it absolutely is. But it's also something that we need to go through. We're going to be talking about the five stages of grief. And there are five stages. And uh, so the, the, I wanted to start with the first stage. Well, and before we even get into that, we should talk about where these come from. This is well known. Anytime we talk about grief, we always go back to the, the seminal book was by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She introduced the five stages of grief model back in 1969 in her book On Death and Dying. And this work has really uh, informed everything that we have talked about since then on grief. And you're very familiar with the five stages of grief. Let's just briefly go through them and then we'll talk through how they manifested in our lives and in our own stories. Denial, number one, and anger, number two. That's our flight or fight flight or fight response, that when something negative happens, we either want to run away or we want to run right into it and go fight it. That doesn't work when you're dealing with grief because you can't you can't change how things happen. So then that the brings us to the next one. Number three is bargaining. You try to see, well, can I change what happened? Can I change the outcome somehow? Let's negotiate. Let's see <laughs> what we can do. If I give up this thing, can I get the thing back again? And when that doesn't work, then we move to depression because we realize it's never going to come back and there's always going to be an emptiness. It's never going to be quite like it was. It's never going to be full again in the same way that it was. And when you finally break through that, then that brings us to the fifth stage and that is acceptance. Now, I want to say, starting with me, but just about everyone I know, doesn't necessarily accept or or experience all five stages. And so I thought for a while, laughed and talked about it. And, and the first thing I thought of was, well, that's a new thing, but let's see how it plays out. I'm not so sure this is really going to happen. This is something that Raya might, consider this is something that she's going to try out but you know she's got a family she's got seven kids and 
I'm not so sure she's going to walk away from that. And she's got a bright future with the company that I started that she's going to take over. So she may she may not go through this. I'm going to take a wait-and-see attitude, which I guess is some form of denial. I don't know. I think you you don't ever know with that. I, I think at that point that was probably the right attitude to have. And because you, you, you don't ever know. And in fact, even for me, as the person coming out, I didn't know. I didn't know is this something that the way I always think of it is it's like uh, a dam holding back water. And when you open it up, either water's coming out or it's not. And I thought, I, you know, I don't know. I've never done this before, but I've put a lot of energy into holding all of this back. I'm going to try it for a little bit, seeing opening it up and seeing what comes out. And it could be that the pressure was not as much as I thought that it was. And, of course, it ended up being way more than I ever expected. Sure. It was a lot more. But... As you know, I have done a lot of things in my life where I get all excited about an idea and I think that this is going to be the thing. And a few months later, it kind of goes away. And you've done the same thing. Many you, times. I've gotten that from you, I think, <laughs> that we both get really excited about something. And there's a few things like this podcast that have made it through the initial excitement. And now we've, we're, we're really going with it. But there's there have been a lot of things through the years that both you and I have done that we thought this is going to be the next big thing. And like it writing ends my up. novel, <laughs> or anything, all sorts of things that we've done. Uh, and the next idea of what's going to happen, I was going to start a rock and roll band, and that didn't happen, and all sorts well, it of things. Worked for me. It did work for you. <laughs> I worked so, my way through college playing in a rock group. You were a rock star. That's how you met mom. That's well, exactly right. In a manner of speaking. Yeah. So we didn't know at that point. And really for you, your grief didn't have anything to do so much with me. It was easy for you to deal with me. The surprise for you was that your grief came outside of our individual relationship. Yes, it did. The thing is with my grief, where where my grief came in, there was denial to begin with. Uh, there was denial saying, well, like like I mentioned before, well, let's just see how this is going to play out. I, I don't think this really is going to happen. That's denial of myself saying that, not uh, not to you saying, no, 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 you're not going to do this. It, now, you may react differently. Maybe uh, somebody else came out to you and you're saying, oh, no. Forget that. You're not going to do that. And it, that could be denial or it could say, you know, somebody else just tried to talk you into that. You know, you get, you get, get some sense in yourself there, you know. And uh, But that wasn't the reaction I had. That doesn't make my reaction the right one. It makes it just the one that I had. So for me, denial was was there, but in a little bit different form. And then, I don't know if you ever experienced, too, with anger. Did you experience some anger, would you say? Do you feel like you had that? Not so much, no. I really didn't think, no. I never thought, I thought of it more as a sickness. And so I want to help you. 
I think. I This is the first time I've said that or actually vocalized that. I've never thought, of, thought that way, but I think that's probably the way I looked at it. As it's not, I'm not rejecting you. I'm a, rejecting your ideas, possibly, because I think you're off the wrong track. It's sort of like if you didn't agree with me politically, well, you're wrong. <laughs> I can try to put you on the right track, but that isn't necessarily, that wasn't necessarily anger. It was disappointment, maybe? That's not right either. It was not um well it was a it was a denial of the not acceptance kind of thing but it was very soft it could have been just that you went into sort of salesperson mode that in sales they always teach you you never disagree with the person and i have rarely ever seen you flat out disagree with somebody and maybe that's all that it was is that you always wanted to be as agreeable with me as you could in order to maintain the relationship. Maybe. But I never saw you come back to me and say anything about you're wrong. All that I ever heard from you to me was support. But where mm -hmm. I know it impacted you was once I became public, once I said this is going to happen and it came out, now that put you in the position that you had to decide how were you going to interact with me because now if you were sharing my story with somebody that doesn't agree, now you have to take a side. You have to say either I stand with her or you know what, I think what he's doing is wrong. And either one of those, if you choose the, the, the path of I stand with her, that could lose you a friend. And if you choose the path of, well, I think that what he's doing is wrong, that could lose you a child or at right. least a relationship. That would certainly have put a strain on things. That would have made it very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. So you had to choose a side. And I imagine there were probably times where you thought, I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to stand up for a decision that's not even my decision. I think that makes some sense. But I... I think the hardest thing for me was going public with what you were doing. That was a difficult thing for mm -hmm. me. And for a long time, I didn't want to tell anybody. I don't know how long a long time was, but it was, well, it was certainly weeks, maybe months, that I had never said anything to anybody. And then I finally told one of my friends, and his first reaction, he looked at me as I got big and wide, and he said, holy shit. <laughs> Can we say that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he did. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, and that was, and, and it was sort of like, his reaction was, well, I couldn't possibly go through something like that. Wow, you really, you got a big thing there. And he was probably right. And then it was after that, I think the next person I told was either my best friend from the military uh, or uh, Fred. Fred, probably Fred. Mm -hmm. Another friend that you know from the Vets Club. Yeah. But not you didn't serve with him. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, but he's he knew you since you were born, and he and he uh, he's been a close friend of the family. Well, and they were they are my uh, uh, godparents. That's exactly right. And his reaction when I told him was about like my reaction when you told me. He didn't he didn't react negatively or, or come out with an exclamation. <laughs> <laughs> expletive uh, he he came out with a a soft acceptance kind of thing and and i think you saw that too mm-hmm. and so they don't go through those same steps we do but maybe they do in a softer form anyway that was that was in that area uh the, the anger thing really was something I probably did skip. If I if I really had to say, where was it? I I can't really find it. I think that mom and my sister had that more. Oh yeah. I yes. think that both of them experienced that. And at some point, we'll have and them your on. Yes, mm-hmm. it was. It was hard. It was hard for them. And we don't think of that, I, you know, and I'm sure I've talked about this on this podcast before, but when I first transitioned, I had a friend that I, you know, I was t- telling some of these stories here while my mom is having a difficult time with this. And my friend said to me, that's so wrong. Why can't she just accept you for who you are? And I said, do, do you think that gender matters? I think that gender matters because if it didn't matter, I wouldn't have to do that. But the same reason why I have to do it is the same reason why she's grieving. Because gender does matter. And so for her, for her, she had known me for 40 years as her son. And all of a sudden, I was changing and not being the same person. And certainly going through an awkward period at the beginning... I, I certainly hope that I'm through that awkward period now, but at the beginning, it's very awkward, and I did my best, and I think I did a good job right away, but even still, it's awkward, and it's difficult, and I'm having to, you know, I'm wearing wigs now, and I'm having to, you know, learn how to dress differently, and everything, 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 and lots of things that I would do didn't quite work, and I'm sure in that moment, she thought, oh... I wish that I could just have the old you back again. Yep. Well, I thought that too. You know, I I lost a son. That's grieving. Mm-hmm. I was really proud of the fact that I had a son and a daughter. Mm-hmm. And one who was going to take over the company. And that didn't turn out. And uh, that was that was definitely grieving for me. That was a that was a a big disappointment because not only could I see you as taking over the company and running the company and owning the company, but passing it on to my grandchildren. And it didn't turn out that way. It didn't. But we have, I think, a good a good story that has come from this in that the company now, so it's my ex that took over the company now, yeah. and it will end up staying in the family, and it will end up being your grandchildren in the end, just not quite how you thought it was going to be. That's true. It doesn't always work out so good like that, though. In mm-hmm. in our circumstance, it did, and we're very grateful for that. But lots of times it doesn't. 
I have a friend. I, I, I met him online. He's from Romania. He, he lives in Romania right now, but he is a gay man. And in Romania, it is much, much less accepting of LGBTQ issues than it is here in the United States. And he will frequently tell me, and I know him mostly by text, but he will frequently tell me how his mother is just pleading with him, begging him to date a girl. And she went through all of these stages. First, she denied, you're not really gay. No, 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 you're not gay. That's just your own whatever. That's your own ideas. It's just a, a thing. But that will go away. No, no. You just let it go. And eventually, you're going to be the, the good straight boy that I've always wanted you to be. And in some ways, she's still there. But then she's gone through some anger as well. That she thinks, how dare you turn your back on, I don't know, I, I, he's only reported to me, turn your back on God or turn your back on the family, uh, the family or any of these things. Mm -hmm. And he says, Mom, I can't do anything. I can't change who I am. This will never go away. I'm never going to be attracted to girls and I'm never going to be able to turn off my attraction to guys. And so now she's in the third stage where she's trying to bargain. Well, maybe if you just find a good girl and settle down, maybe you could. And she comes up with this thing or that thing and keeps saying, there's no bargain that's going to work. And that's how it goes so often with bargaining is that we try to find some middle ground. But they're usually in, in an issue of grief, there's usually no middle ground to be had. Just like when somebody passes away, there is no middle ground. You may remember that we bargained with you quite a bit. I think that was the stage that I spent the most time in, is the is the bargaining stage. I, because I, I can remember we said, well, we're going to be going uh, down south for the winter. Why don't you just go over to our house and stay in our house for a couple of months while we're gone? And then you can dress up there the way you want and all that. And then when you leave the house, you go back to being... Ryan, and you don't remember that, that you, you, yeah, and, and you said, well, I'll try that, and you did it for, for a couple of months. So I'm going to jump in here for a minute here, because this is a really important story, but I would like to model something on the podcast about relationships and how, and sometimes in relationships, there's times where we need to have a, um, where we need to say, you know, something something happened that just hurt. And I have to say, hearing my old name oh, yeah. really hurts. It's it's hard for me to hear that. And you wouldn't think but, that. And I, I knew even that, in telling the story. I knew that, yeah. but I thought I had to add it to the story because that's what I was saying to you all the time. And I was saying, try it this way, but just do it behind closed doors. And... So even now, in times where we're telling that story, yeah. let's see if we can find ways to tell it without that part, because right. it's difficult for me, and it was difficult then, and that's part of the grieving process, is that we, there's so much emotion that goes through in all of those things. There's so much that comes up, and that's exactly what I thought, too. Now, I didn't think of that. I was very grateful for that time, mm -hmm. because... In my marriage, we had an agreement that, okay, well, we knew this This was never a surprise. 
from my ex. She knew the whole time. She knew within six months of us being married that this was an issue. It comes out. Really? Yeah, she, she, she didn't know, and I didn't know exactly what the issue was, but we knew the broad contours of the kinds of things that were struggles for me. And so then by the time we got through to the, to the place where I said, I can't put this, I can't put this off anymore. I don't know what else to do. She said, look, if you're going to experiment with cross-dressing, I guess that's where you're at right now. I can't stop you from doing that, but please don't do it in the house. And so, well, if I can't do it in the house, then where do I go? How does that work? There's nowhere else to go. And that was the point where you said, this is how I took it, is you said, we're leaving for a couple months. At that time, it was only two months. You said, we're leaving for a couple months. You come in and use our house. And then while you're there, you try it out and see how it's working. I didn't think that for you that it was so much bargaining, but for me... It was bargaining because it was saying... Try this out, and you're going to discover this isn't for you. <laughs> That's what I thought was going to happen. I and sure as a bonus, that. you were able to take care of the cat. <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> uh, and uh, I wanted that also. And in fact, I thought that's what did happen. As I got to the end, we, we were at, so it was January and February, and it was the middle of February. And I thought, okay, we're coming up to the end here. This is, this feels really right, but I can't afford the cost. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I said, I'm going to, I can't, I can't pay the cost, so I'm going to go back. And we all thought, okay, well, there it is. You tried, and it didn't work out. Yeah, we did. And it was about a month and a half that I was a black hole after that, because now I had experienced just a little taste of what it was like to live how I wanted oh. to. Uh-huh. And it made things so much worse when I tried to go back. And that's oh, what yeah. ultimately, I, that little taste was enough to say, I can't keep living how I was living. And I remember you said to me, which I think every person out there who comes out says or knows in their heart, they wouldn't choose this. They wouldn't say, well, I could be this or I could be that. And, you know, I think I'm going to be gay. I think that would try. Well, let me just try that for a while. Wouldn't that, that just be out. wonderful? Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I, I had don't all think of anybody... society judge me. And I had people look the other look towards me and think, oh, wow, there's a strange person. And, yeah. and if I had people constantly, you know, if I always had to have threats of, well, somebody might want to beat me up, or if I go there and if I tell the wrong person, yeah, that I'm that sounds like a really good lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I remember you said that. You said that uh, more than once. You said I wouldn't choose this, and I think that's the way everybody is. They they don't choose it. They realize it's the only answer. It's the only answer, and you know it. Hey, we're in a country that is pushing the pursuit of happiness, right? And we need to push the pursuit of happiness. We have that right. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Exactly. And and actually, that brings up a good point. And so I, I do not expect that everybody in the audience, you might be listening right now, 
and you might not agree. We want you here. You are welcome here if you do not agree because we want you to still have positive relationships even if you are not accepting of the choice that your LGBTQ son or daughter or family member has made, but you want to preserve that relationship. And I just want to say that even if it is not a choice, that doesn't automatically mean that it's okay. And even if it is a choice, that wouldn't automatically mean that it's not okay. If it was of choice, and I think we know that there are aspects of both, but in general, most of it seems pretty hard to escape. When when most of us fight it so hard and so hard and so hard, and then we finally say, I can't fight this any longer. That's not really a choice. It's it's a choice to stop fighting, but it's not really a choice to, to, to pick up the thing. But even if it was a choice, the life that I'm living now, it makes me happy. I am much, much happier now. I am much brighter and more full of joy than I was beforehand because I don't have to hold back pieces of myself. And by the same token, even uh, even if you accept that it's not a choice, it's completely not a choice, we understand that we all struggle with things that are not a choice. It might be not a choice for somebody to be an alcoholic, but that doesn't mean that they can just say, well, therefore I get to just live however I want to. There's all things that we have to deal with that we wish we didn't have to deal with. But with LGBTQ issues, it's a lot harder because not only can you not turn it off, but imagine if I said to you, you can never have a partner that you're attracted to for the rest of your life. You can never be sexually intimate with anyone ever again, ever because of a belief that I have that I'm imposing on you. Can you imagine what it would be like to live that way? That's the way it was when I was 12 years old. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's good to know. (laughs) It wasn't forever, but it seemed like forever. (laughs) (laughs) So with all of us, we go through that grieving. And so today we've talked about the grieving that we go through as a family member. Uh, Next time, we're going to talk about the grieving that we as LGBTQ members ourselves go through and how difficult it is when we're giving up the dream that we thought we were going to have. That will be in our next podcast. And I will tell you, Raya's story is a story of a lot of grieving. Uh, There was a lot of grieving. And by the way, we didn't get through uh, the depression. And that's really not something that I experienced either an acceptance. We can talk a lot about acceptance later on for the both of us. But I, in our next podcast, I think you're absolutely right. We're going to head toward, right toward your grieving because I saw so much of it for years. Once you came out, it took a long time for you to get through the losses that you experienced by coming out. It was tough. It was tough, and I and I was there to support you, and and you were at points so vulnerable that I could say one thing that didn't mean anything to me, and you were gone. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that next time. There's a yeah. lot. There's a lot to say about that for sure. Yes. Yeah. And in some ways, I'm not sure that I'm through it, even now, seven years later. Mm-hmm. It, these can be quite difficult issues. 
any grieving that you go through is that way. So we'll discuss that next time. But we're really grateful to have you here. Uh, we are always about creating positive relationships together, whether you are um, an, an advocate of LGBTQ people, whether you are a skeptic, or whether you are the person coming out. We believe that relationships are important. So thank you for tuning in. And by the way, if you got some feedback for us, send it to us at... Transcendent at gmail.com. Yes. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for tuning in. Mm-hmm.